All right. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us here on Church of the Corn. We are joined by the guy, Drake. Drake, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I am doing well, brother. Living the dream. How are you? I, I'm good. I'm, you know, it's been a very, uh, it's been an eventful weekend. Um, not, in, not in a good way. I got pulled over by a fucking state trooper yesterday. But other than what that. What are you doing? Speeding. How fast? Keep in mind, this this could probably be used during court. I'm not going to court, okay? That's the one thing I've decided already. I'm, I'm going to take the stop class like grown-up. Um, uh, but I was going fast enough that I have to take an eight-hour class on a Saturday. Oh, so man. That's, I, it's, I remember that's my admission of guilt, I guess. So, funny story. Uh, the laws have changed around that stop class. Um. Now you can only do it like once every three years. Yeah, yeah. Across the state, but it used to be separated by county. Oh Jesus Christ! So there, there was a point in time where I did three stop classes in three different counties in three years. Damn, Drake, that that's actually very impressive. Yeah, uh, maybe four years, but you you get the point. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I'm not. I'm really not looking forward to this one, but. Uh... You know, that's that's what happens. I got caught. I was trying to go around someone, and they got me. Actually, caught me slipping. Um, the Ohio State comeback with with the bow video. Oh yeah, I left a stop class to make it to kick off to that game on time. I got a ticket in a different county on the way to the game because I was running late. Jesus, so you. T- just leaving stop class and then have to end up going back because uh, I'm not mad at it. That's true dedication right there. Yeah. I was like, ah, well, I get another one. Uh, it's it's fine. It's a free, it's a freebie, you know. It's another county, yeah. it's fine. That's that's awesome. But yeah, no, that's that that sucked. So that was fun getting pulled over by a state trooper. Yeah. But no, it is what it is, you know. That's that's the grown up stuff I get to deal with, but uh, did you tell him he had a cute little mount me hat? What's that? Did you tell him he had a cute little mount me hat? I, I did not because he was actually not wearing a hat. And uh, oh. I was trying to, you know, kind of blink my eyes and get off with no ticket. But apparently that was not in the cards yesterday. Apparently when you go that fast, that's just the way things go. But uh, <laughs> we were talking about this a little bit off air and uh, – there's, there's, there's obviously nothing going on in, in July in sports world, which is which is okay. It actually gives you a chance to really look into some of the uh, newcomers coming into the Big Ten. And uh, one of them, Wisconsin's new offense coordinator, Phil Longo. Um, he, he's interesting to me because I feel like either people absolutely love the guy or hate the guy. And it's because of the uh, – I, I feel like he's got a stigma attached to his name and his style yeah so i'm gonna go ahead and say that i'm the former in that scenario i i love phil longo i really do um i i this is gonna sound sacrilegious but i would trade satterfield for him in a heartbeat that's and that's not a knock on satterfield that's just how much i like phil longo it and it kind of felt like phil longo was i don't want to say untouchable but he came there with Mac Brown back in 19, I believe. And it, it almost felt like he was kind of untouchable 
since since he got there, like he wasn't going to leave anywhere at, from North Carolina. And part mm-hmm. of the reason he had no reason to, like he had some dudes while he was there. I was kind of shocked that he went to, that he left for Wisconsin to move to the Big Ten, though. Um, I mean that is the there's only two conferences you move to SEC or Big Ten at this point. I mean I feel like those are the two power conferences. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, thinking two steps ahead here, I think the writing on the wall is is there for Ryan Day not being there too long after this, which I, I think we can all agree that if Luke Fickle is marginally successful at Wisconsin, he would be the favorite to take over that Ohio State job. Um, but let's say – there's there's one or two scenarios here, and I think Phil Longo's playing this game. Um, this is how this is how I would have done it if I was Phil Longo. I would have taken that that OC job at Wisconsin, and you're either auditioning for when um, your head guy leaves, or for you know if things don't work out with for Ryan Day at Ohio State, whether he moves on to the NFL, they decide to to fire him for some asinine reason, whatever it is. If you could show that you just turned around a Wisconsin offense and modernized them and you were very successful at it, you're probably on their big board too, to an extent. So um, I think he's what he's really doing is just trying to get an extended interview for any future Big Ten openings. Yeah, it, it would make sense that you, you do that because, I mean, then you're fully ingrained in the conference. Now you've got some proven statistics in the conference as well showing your offense does work and different things like that yeah and Um, if you're worried about the acc dying which i think everybody is you know you have to you have to jump to one of those two conferences right away yeah i mean it makes sense and also with with a guy that he went to north carolina with and mac brown you have to wonder how much longer does mac brown stick around as well is he there the entirety of drake may's uh, college career. I mean, I I believe he's in his mid seventies. I think currently. So by the time he, you know, he, he'd be in his late seventies at that point. By the time he finishes up his career, so I, you also have to wonder how much longer he would stick around too. So yeah. I think it's honestly background seventy one. Oh, is he okay? For some reason, I thought he was a little older. Shit. I mean. I mean, 70s not young shit. by any means. No, it's old as shit. But I mean, for some reason, I thought he was closer to 80. But um, you know, Longo, he's had because uh, he's been at three stops now. He's been at Ole Miss, North Carolina, and um, what is the other one? Wisconsin. So no, no, no. So North Carolina, Ole Miss, and now North or um, Wisconsin. So. Um, He's had kind of an interesting, interesting career because, like I said, I think people view him as he's a, a drop back and throws it every single down, and and he's not. Um, and I sent you the numbers earlier on just kind of the his offensive numbers. Did you get a chance to look at those by chance? Yeah, I mean he he has definitely been split on whether or not he's over fifty percent run or pass, like mm-hmm. three years of each. Um, I would argue that his most successful offenses have been slightly heavier in the past than the run, but he's always hovering around that, that 50% mark. Isn't it wild that the amount of dudes that he has had on his offenses, 
just like ridiculously talented from AJ Brown, DK Metcalf at, at Ole Miss to what he's had at North Carolina. Like he has had some absolute freaks. Yeah. So that was also a card I was going to kind of play for taking the Wisconsin job. Um, you're obviously taking over the best running back that you've had. Um, probably not your best quarterback scenario. I think Drake may wins that in a landslide. Um, definitely not your best receiver um, driven offense. So if he can make this offense explosive and it's not like he's walking into a room just loaded with NFL high caliber NFL talent. I think that carries a lot of water. I mean, he, he's been very fortunate with his previous situations, whether it's always been planned or not. Um, this one also kind of, he kind of has to show a little bit more than he would have anywhere else because he's not loaded with that same level of talent. Yeah. He's, he's got a lot of dudes there and that, you know, with, with the, they've had transfers at the big spots, Mordecai, obviously at the quarterback spot and you've got Raylan Allen and uh, Malusi in the, at, at the running back spot. Are you with with all the changes that have gone on at Wisconsin? Are you comfortable with them being the number one team in the West, or are they kind of a? Do they fall in the mesh of like a four team tie for you? Because they do for me. I I mean I think it I, the the easy answer is a four way tie right or just like a juggling match. Yeah, they just got so many big questions that that Wisconsin, I could put I'm going to be tie. honest though. Wisconsin for me is is my favorite. Okay, like they are my favorite to win, and that's because of my confidence in Phil Longo. That is, you know, my I expect them to stay solid on defense. Their line play is still going to be good. Um, that that's the only spring game that I watched in the Big Ten, and I was like, okay, a they look so much better, and it looks different. I mean, they were hitting the tight ends across the middle way more than they have in the past. I just whether or not that they they are in that that hunt for the Big Ten, I think that I think this Wisconsin team is going to be scarier than teams that we've played in the past from Wisconsin strictly because I don't, I don't know with Graham Mertz, you always felt like you had a shot to win no matter what, because Graham Mertz was playing quarterback. If you could slow down the run enough, you would be competitive. You don't have that cop out this year. Yeah. I mean, as much as we both like Martinez, couldn't you almost say like Graham Mertz and Adrian Martinez almost had that feeling where the other team was, Always, unfortunately, still in the game, no matter what the no matter what the game looked like, because it could be coughed up at any point. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, you know, I'm a huge staunch defender of Adrian, but Graham Mertz and every quarterback before him under Paul Chris, I feel like they suffered from some of the some of the same problems that Adrian did. They didn't get the great greatest development, mm-hmm. and when the game was on the line, the play calling didn't always make sense. Like. I think a lot of their shortcomings, all of those guys' shortcomings, Graham Mertz, um, who was the kid right before him, I can't remember his name. But uh, yeah, yeah, I can't. I, it wasn't Hornerbrook. It was someone else, but I can't remember that. Well, Hornerbrook, Hornerbrook too, though. Um, you know, all those guys, like Graham Mertz was the highest-rated quarterback in Wisconsin history, I believe. 
Yeah, and you remember what he did against Illinois that game one where I think he threw three incompletions or something like that, or maybe it was one, yeah. but it was, a, it was a crazy coming out party for him. Yeah, well, and then their first game this past season with an interim head coach, he went off again. Like, Graham Mertz wasn't the problem. His problems were created by the situation. I still feel the same way about Adrian Martinez to an extent. Feel the same way. I mean, I feel that same way about quarterback as a whole. Like, I think there's a ton of quarterbacks in college that are hindered by mm-hmm. by poor coaching staffs. Um, I just – I'll be honest. I don't think Iowa's quarterback situation is as bad as it's played out the last five years. I think they have decent quarterbacks that can be competitive. Your OC situation scares me a little bit, though. I mean, it's honestly impossible for that room to be as bad as it is without it being a systematic thing at a certain point. Like, you can't have that many guys roll through there, all flame out or all look like shit without it being a systematic thing. It's the same thing that we've seen with, with Verduzco and Lincoln. It's at a certain point you, you got to go, okay, well, if every one of our quarterbacks is making the same bad read, it's no longer a per quarterback thing. That's a systematic thing. That's something that's being taught to these guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, to an extent, like if you, if you're failing at quarterback for multiple years, there's, there's really two potential problems. You're not developing and coaching and calling the plays right. Like you're not, you're putting your, you're leaving, you're leaving these guys in a bad position with how you're running the program. Or two, you are very obviously missing, miss, uh, misgrading the position as a staff. You are, are not, you know, recruiting it correctly. All of that still falls back on the staff. I, I agree. I agree. So with Mordecai coming in, and, and he's a, obviously a highly touted transfer. I think he threw 72 touchdowns in, in two seasons at SMU being a starter. With him coming in, do you think he's kind of the saving grace or what Graham Mertz was supposed to be for that program, a.k.a. a highly touted guy that kind of takes that program to the next level? Or do you kind of feel like he's the next – Stop gap in the Wisconsin cog or machine, if you will. I, I think he's a two year stop gap until Phil Longo is able to get the guy that he wants and to develop him. Now, this isn't a bad stop gap by any means. I mean, I'm 98% sure that their plan was to go find an experienced quarterback to, to run the show for at least this year, if not two. And what a um, damn one they found. Yeah. Um, That's, this isn't a knock knock on him saying I think he's a two-year stopgap, but I don't know that he's exactly what they're looking for. And even though he's experienced, let, let's be honest, what he plays against weekly, plays against weekly with SMU, is not what he's going to be facing in November up here in the Big Ten. What both from a talent and a weather standpoint. Yeah, the what he, what you got to deal with down there, and I think they're in the AAC. I think they're in the athletic or the American, excuse me. Yeah, a huge difference having to play, you know, UCF and in, in the middle of November, and then having to play Ohio State in yeah. the horseshoe. And that's not to, that's not to say that there's not a ton of NFL talent in that conference. It is mostly skill position guys, corners, safeties, receivers, right? But it's again not the same same style. 
Um, I would argue there's probably a little bit more speed on the field in that conference, but is the coaching as what well, is the coaching as strong as the technique as strong? Are they hiding coverages better in the Big Ten than they are in the AAC? I don't have all those answers. I just know that the Big Ten historically dominates the ACC when they play AAC when they play against each other in bowl season and things like that. So I I don't know. Like, how is he gonna? How is his game gonna translate to the conference? I don't know. I think he's gonna be pretty good. I'm not knocking the kid, but. Um, if he's not able to throw, I mean, he threw 72 touchdowns and like 7,000 yards in two years. Like he's probably not going to be throwing as often in the Wisconsin offense, especially late in the year. How does that affect his ability to get into a rhythm? Cause quarterbacks running backs, they're both rhythm positions. Mm-hmm. So, and that's actually a really good point. Cause I was going through, like I said, the every year and I'll post the numbers when I post the podcast on Tuesday or what have you. Um, for Phil Longo, every single year, I went through his, his numbers and broken them down. What would you think the split would be this year from them? What would your run-pass split be, if you had to take a guess? Um, not knowing about what they have at wide receiver and tight end. Yep, would, just what you what yeah, you kind of I, I would say they're probably I would say they're probably like a 55-45 run to pass. Um maybe a little greater. You you do have two of the better running backs in the conference. Um I just I don't know how strongly they feel about those other position groups. Yeah, the 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 pass game was the the biggest thing that I'm wondering about just because you don't know what you have at that wide receiver room like you don't really have a proven guy that's out there and Wisconsin has put out some some really productive college tight ends the last few years I don't think you've got that guy in that room right now that stands out so because Ferguson's finally gone right I think Ferguson finally went to the league um and when you lose a guy like that that's been there for so long you know he's so damn experienced in the system like that that's a big piece you're missing there. Plus, that's a, just a, a security blanket over the middle of the field. Yeah. Now, you know, you know where you could convince me that that gap gets a lot tighter from pass to run is in early in the non-con when you know they're getting those get right games mm-hmm. that they don't really run those two backs a lot early. A to save them, save their legs for later in the year, yep. but also to try and get that passing game in a rhythm you could convince me early on that they have a game where they throw it 55 times and run it 12 or 18 or something like that, just to try and get that offense moving the way that they need to. Yeah. You, you could see a lot of things because you've seen Longo run it as high as 60% of the time and as low as, as, as like, I think 45%. So like he's all over the field. Like he, he, that, that offense is designed to be multiple, and I think they're going to do that, and and I think they've got the offensive line to do what they want to do, honestly. And it's still control the – they still want to control the ball. Like, they're not just going to line up five wide. Like, they still want to control yeah. the game. And that's, that's the one thing that, that always bothers me. Like, we kind of thought we were going to get a ball control offense with Whipple and Frost with, with heavier passing, right? Like, we thought not heavier passing than what Whipple wanted to do, but, like, more consistent, more, you know, easy routes, easy throws. We we thought we were going to see ball control that way while we rebuilt the line to to be an effective run team. Yep. And that never happened, which 
I get why fans are mad about it, but I would have, ex- I don't understand why fans are out on guys who throw the ball almost 50% of the time, sometimes more a hundred percent because they don't feel like they can run a ball control offense when historically that same guy has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that that's the big thing that I'm, I'm really confused about with, with a lot of it is if you can be 50 50, you can keep the defense on its heels. Like if the defense can start teeing off on you because they know what you're going to run as an offense, there's not a worse spot to be in. Yeah. That's that's well, what you want to get to. I, I should probably go back and look this up, but like there have been passing attacks that are still ball control. Like, the old okay. air raid from Hawaii, they were still ball control. They weren't just the, scoring 70 points a game. The dink and dunk, the five-yard ends, the five-yard hitches, like all you need to do is get 10 yards and you keep yeah. the ball. That's that's yeah. really that's the biggest thing that Nebraska hasn't done is put consecutive plays together to get 10 yards. I know it yeah. sounds fundamental, and it is in elementary, but they haven't been able to do elementary right. Three, three, four yard completions are as good as three, four yard runs. Absolutely. It doesn't matter how you get there. You just really need to get there. And, and I think that's one of the things that Longo has done best. Speaking of, you know, that is he's utilized the talent he's had on every offense. And I really feel like that dude's maximized. So him coming to Wisconsin, it, honestly, after looking into him, to me, it's even scarier that he's up there, especially yeah, with no, Brandon. Absolutely. He, he, in my opinion, is is go, is going to be the best offensive coordinator in this conference. That's fair. That's lofty, but I I could see that because I don't think, yeah, that that that's pretty fair. I feel like I think he's one of the most accomplished ones with what he's done, especially, um, and, and it's proven it in the numbers. Drake well, was I mean, an imag- freak last year too. Imagine what he would do with a with a talented roster like Ohio State. He has never had an Ohio State. No, that's true. And you know, going back to seventeen, I mean, he was at Ole and Miss. Yes, but, I know he's not at Ohio State right now, but <laughs> but you know, even going back to when he was at Ole Miss, that was Ole Miss prior to Lane Kiffin being down there. We know how much talent Kiffin's brought in. Like, don't get me wrong, he had. A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Dawson Knox. Like, he had some guys there, um, but his quarterbacks were nothing special. He had Shea Patterson and Jordan Tayamahu. So, he didn't have anything super special there, but, like, he had guys. Do you think um, Braylon Allen and Maluzzi can be in the ballpark of what Javante Adams or Javante Williams and uh, Michael Carter did for him at North Carolina? Because they they tore it up for the, that two to three years. I mean, I think they're going to be as good. I don't think you're going to see the same style. Obviously, like Javante Williams could is was a pretty good pass catching back coming out of college. I believe. Like, I feel like I remember him making plays in the pass game. That's not something that we've seen from either of those guys at Wisconsin. Not that they can't do it, um, but. Same level of productivity, yes. I just expect it in different ways. Yeah, I don't see them doing what they did at uh, North Carolina. I just feel like the Big Ten's obviously built different than what they were doing down there at the ACC. But if they came out and they ran the ball 55% of the time, 60% of the time, 
and they still ran 900 snaps. I mean, you're still getting a lot of passes off and you're leaning on your strength, which you've got a lot of inexperience at the, at, like we were saying at the receiver spots, especially at the, at the quarterback spot too. Um, if you could lean on Allen, I feel like that's a really good formula of winning a lot of games. And I don't feel like their schedule is the toughest I've ever seen a Wisconsin schedule, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's no cupcake, but it's, it's not, it's not the uh, 2021 schedule Nebraska had. Um, well, I mean, it's, they've got some teams on there. Like, you know, you obviously you have a Washington state team because you got to go at Washington state. That's always yeah. a game where, you know, you're not going in the air raid against Mike uh, Leach of old, but still Washington state in Pullman. Like that's a tough game. You have Ohio state. Um, Isn't Washington state the game that got Paul Chris fired last year? I thought it was. Because they fired Paul Chris the Monday after we fired Frost, right? I believe so. It was yeah. it was a it was not a great weekend for Big Ten coaches. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, like I said, and and you know, then you've got uh, Nebraska, and, and depending if you define that as a big game for Wisconsin or not, and then you've got at Minnesota. So like you you've got a lot of big games. Um, Ohio State being the furthest out of reach, I would say, just because I think Ohio State is that much above every other team outside of, of Michigan. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no, I I have Wisconsin sitting at 7-5, and 8-4, and four, and I have pretty much the whole big I, – everybody I have in the Big Ten West, that's that's kind of the ceiling. I see maybe a 9-3. and three. Um but yeah, I just I don't know, man. This the Big Ten West is so wide open where you know it could be a five team race out of seven teams in the big Big Ten East. At most you're gonna have a three team race. At most Penn State might sneak in, but otherwise you got the, the big, top two and you know who they are. Yeah, in the Big Ten West, it could be any of those teams. It could be Illinois. The only team that I don't think has a shot at competing for it is Northwestern. Oh, that's fair. They've got their own problems to deal with. So I got a question for you with Wisconsin because you said they, you, you know, roughly where they are. If I had to force you to pick either a six and six team, uh, season or a ten and two season, which one do you go with? Which one's more likely? Oh, for Wisconsin. For Wisconsin. Six and six. Okay. See, I would say I'd go the opposite. I'd say if everything went right for him, I could see a 10 and two season. And that's saying, you know, the obviously Mike Tressel and, and Phil Longo's schemes take hold and Mordecai balls out and everything goes right for him. So I could, yeah. I could see that, but I feel like it's, there's a muddle of those, those four teams, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, um, well, mainly those three. But, um, yeah, I think there's a model mess at the top of the division. It's just whoever gets yeah. to get the shit kicked out of by the winner of Ohio State, Michigan, really. Yeah, for sure. So, um, and then like I said, I got the stats and everything. It was just fun going through them. So I'll post those when we do everything. But let's talk about um, your boy, Dion, Dion Sanders. Neon hey, Dion, primetime, primetime. So I was sitting there, I was thinking about this today. 
and I don't know if I've brought this up before, maybe I have. Does it feel like primetime going to Colorado is like Frost coming back to Nebraska? Um, In a way, just the buildup. Yeah, it does, but I feel like with Scott Frost, it was it was blown up nationally. Like, okay, this is all about to get fixed. Dion, like that that sentiment is really only coming from Colorado fans. Now there's a lot of interest to see if he can, but I don't see anybody like proclaiming, Hey, Colorado's back other than Colorado fans. And so that, that was my question because we know what Frost did at UCF and what he did at Oregon with being the OC over there and everything going undefeated. And then, you know, you have Dion who went 27 and six, I believe it was at Jackson state. So they both kind of did similar things where they just really out athleted guys. I think that's fair to say they both did similar things with that, where they didn't really do anything where they outcoached anyone. They just had better athletes. That's yeah. kind of what Frost at UCF and Sanders at uh, Jackson State remind me of. Um, you know, he's brought he's brought in a shit ton of talent, but do you know the number of dudes that he had transferred in and transfer out at Colorado so far? Isn't it like seventy something? So he's had 50 players transfer in and 57 players transfer out. That is 107 roster moves in what about And that five doesn't months? even count that doesn't even count high school signings. Nope, that is literally just the transfers in and transfers out in the yeah. transfer portal. Yeah, so that doesn't count anybody from Chuco. Nope. It's insane. And I th- I th- I feel like I read this the other day. They only have like across both lines, like somewhere between eight and 12 scholarship guys. Like, yeah, they, they do not have a ton. That was actually one of the things I was looking into in the transfer portal and um, in their high school recruiting. So they are bringing in a top 35 class, which I believe it is 35 on the, on the nose. Like they've got some dudes, but they're all skill position players. Like they, they, they did not hit, the lines either uh, offensive or defensive heavy in the transfer portal or in high school recruiting like that well is going to run dry very quickly yeah you know you're two injuries away from being really fucked um yeah and maybe one injury like who knows like i this is this is one of the reasons why i'm not high on them at all this year like everybody knows Injuries on the line are very common. You know, they're probably a little bit more common in Nebraska over the last few years than other programs, but there's a reason why you you should have, at minimum, 10 guys on scholarship on both sides of the ball on that line. Yeah, you want to have two. I mean, two deep is great. Three deep is is even better. (laughs) The more depth you have, the better. I mean – you can develop that in your in your program. That's how you know you're doing good things. Can he yeah, develop? That, I mean, uh, maybe, but I don't think he's going to be there long enough to develop any sort of depth um, at Colorado. I, I feel like he's going to do similar to what Mel Tucker did. Colorado is a a step up job at best at this point. Yeah, that, I, and I think that's why he doesn't give a shit about recruiting the lines heavily. He wants to go get as much skill position talent to show that he can recruit that, hopefully get a couple of those guys to the NFL. I don't see Dion being at Colorado past three years. Three years is the cap, and I think that's very long. 
Oh yeah, three years. Uh, yeah, that's that's absolutely. I, I couldn't see it stretching that long, but yeah, I think two years. I think he's got this year, and I think maybe one more year. And honestly, the crazy thing is, I don't even think he needs to get to five hundred to get another job after Colorado. I think if he does anything above bottoming out and at least upgrades a talent in Colorado, he will be getting a bigger job somewhere else. Yeah, if he can, if he can recruit, I mean. If you get back to back thirty five top thirty five classes at Colorado, you're probably getting another job. Like that's just the way it is. Yeah, and and honestly, I don't think he's the best X's nose guys in the world. I, I think he's a he's a he's a great football mind. I think he's a, a a good manager of people though, with his personality and what he brings to the table. He does bring almost a diva personality, but being having that personality, you know how to deal with those kind of players too, though. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think he puts together a pretty decent staff. There's not anybody that I'm like, ooh, that's that's a really bad hire on his staff. There's not really anybody that I'm like wowed by, but in that regards, I'm going to defer to Dion. I just I don't see how they get more than three wins this year. I really don't. So going back to the staff, and then going to we can go to schedule in, in a minute. There, there's there's two hires that I was like, eh, and one I thought was pretty good. The offense coordinator, Sean Lewis, I believe it is, who was the head coach at Kent State for four or five years. That one was really meh to me because I don't know if he is um, – I don't know if they'll be able to have a, a, an offensive identity. I know what they're going to do with with, with uh, Sanders at, at quarterback. They're going to want to showcase him. But I just don't know – if they'll have a, enough of an, an an identity on the offensive side of the ball to even look good. Um, but I do like Charles Kelly on the defensive side of the ball, uh, bringing him in at, at defensive coordinator. Experienced guy at Tennessee, uh, Florida State, Alabama. Like, Duke can coach up some defense. So I think that was a hell of a hire. But, um, yeah, offensively, I just thought that was a kind of a meh hire. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm pulling up the, the Buffalo schedule because they they start off. They start off pretty tough. Um, you know, they, they get TCU uh, September 2nd, but they're, they're in Fort Worth. So t- TCU loses Garrett Riley and Max Duggan and a lot of offensive guys to the NFL. But – that program is in such a better spot than Colorado is. There's no way. Yeah, I think I think TCU gets um here. I'm I'm gonna go with who I think Colorado gets. I think they get USC. No, I'm skinned. Colorado State. Yep, I had Colorado State. Maybe Nebraska like possibly Nebraska just based off of history. Yep. And then maybe Arizona State. I was going to say Arizona. Arizona State, possibly Stanford, depending what Stanford does, just because they've been kind of a, a, a shit show. Yeah. But other than that, Arizona, and I don't feel good about that. I The only game I feel decent about would be maybe Colorado State. Yeah, and I'm not even overly sold on that one either. No, there's there is not a game on the schedule that I look at 100% and say, there's no way Colorado loses that game or wins that game. You know, it, it's, 
it, it is right in the middle for me on every game. So I could see him going 0 12. I, I would say probably the, the ceiling for Colorado would be four wins. Yeah, that's where I'm at too. 100% where I'm at. I, I think they're a lot closer to 0 12 than they are 4 and 8, too. Oh, I agree with that. But I honestly do feel like if Dion could get some momentum going early in the season, you know, if you if things fall right in bizarre world and they somehow start out three and zero, I mean, then you're at Dion three, has a new job by the end of the season. You, you ain't fucking kidding. You've got, you're going to be the three and zero Buffaloes going into Oregon at, at Eugene, like. They would have beaten really no team that's impressive at that point. But could Colorado be a fringe top 40 team in the country at that point if they are 3-0? and Yeah, I mean, TCU's not, not not impressive. So, I mean, you're beating a returning uh, a last year's playoff contention team, um, championship contender. Because I yeah, would imagine I mean, TCU's going to be still somewhere in the top 25. Maybe lower end, yeah. but I would imagine they're still going to be top 25. Yeah, obviously, you know, beating Colorado State and Nebraska probably doesn't look good on your schedule at that point. It doesn't look bad, but it, it's not helping you that much. No, it's one of those. Yeah, those are two I'd games. i probably put them at the top 40. I was going to say, yeah, doing those Nebraska and Colorado State, they don't do much to help you. They just do a lot to hurt you at this point. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, if you both – God, we we all hope this doesn't happen. But if Colorado boat races Nebraska, it doesn't matter what Nebraska's done at that point. If a one and one and eleven team from the year before comes out and boat races a power five team in week two, it it doesn't matter. They're getting they're getting some love. If Nebraska gets boat raced by Colorado, I'm gonna be really fucking sad. I'm gonna be worse than sad, brother. Yeah, that's not gonna be great, but hopefully. Hopefully that and that isn't the case. But uh, Drake, do you got anything else on that, my friend? I'm good, brother. Awesome. Well, yeah, uh, it was that was fun talking about Longo and then Dion. Um, I think we are under 50 days away for college football. And yes, I have the count right here. Actually, we are 39. 39. Oh God, that is so sweet. I am so excited for football. Actually, this is how much of a degenerate I am. I actually looked to see when the uh, Hall of Fame game kicked off just so I could actually watch some kind of football on television. Yeah, I'm ready for it. It's it's not good, but that's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll cut it here. So, Drake, thanks for joining us tonight, my friend. Uh, it was a fun one. Everybody, thanks for joining us as well. Have a good night, and uh, we'll talk to everyone later. Have a good week, everyone.